Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen, joined as always by my good friend and co-host Trey Watkins. Day late. Uh, thought we'd wait for the owners' meetings to get underway. They did, so it's uh, there's some news and notes from that that we are going to get to today, but also just a ton of stuff has happened since the last time we spoke. Second wave of free agency underway. Trey, another huge trade, two huge trades. And uh, yeah, lot lot to get to. We'll, we'll also do a mock draft now that free agency's settled down a little bit. We'll look at some team's needs and do 15 picks of a mock draft. So that'll be fun. Uh, but anyhow, Trey, what's going on? How you doing? And much just trying to round up this last month of school and be home free. It's about oh, it. dude, I'm telling you, Trey, last week I did a bad thing. I have like eight times I have to be in class. I skipped two of them last week. And like, it's a battle, Trey. I'm a senior. You know this. I'm graduating in May. It's a battle. You will get here next year. Like, it's an absolute battle to just show up at this point. It, it Like, I hate it. I, I hate it so much, and I just want it all to be over. Like, if I could just... I, I've never... And I've never felt this way about school either. I'm a total nerd. But, like, something about this year, this senior year of mine, like, I, I'm just ready to pack it up. Like, this, like, we've been doing this for five years. It's time to wrap up and head home. I guess I could feel that. I mean, you know, I felt that way during my senior year of high school because all my classes were done. I had all my requisites. I did everything I needed to do. I just wanted to go home or graduate early, but I had no life. I didn't have too many friends. So I said, sure, let's just come to school anyways. It's not like it matters anyway, but now I feel that it's, it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a grind just to stay focused and pay attention. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's tough. Uh, the, yeah, it's just, it's, it's tough. It's a, it's a tough, tough look, Trey. That's just all, all I'll say. It's, it's a bit, it's been difficult. Uh, let me, uh, let's just get into this thing. All the news are broke. Uh, I have a bunch here. Let's start with your division and the Colts making a move, a big move. Atlanta fails in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. Matt Ryan says, okay, it's clear you guys are going to try to move on from me. I want to trade. And he gets moved to the Indianapolis Colts, what do we think about this move, Trey? As a Titans person who covers the team, are you a little bit afraid of the Colts now that they have added Matt Ryan? You know, I'm not really afraid of anything simply because I just covered a team and what the Titans do has no bearing on my emotions whatsoever. But you're no fun. Yeah, I'm I'm not a fun person at all. But 
Uh, I guess from if if I was looking at this move from the scope of a Titans fan, I guess I wouldn't be maybe too concerned. Uh, I think the whole Matt Ryan situation is you could probably compare the move to the Philip Rivers situation that the Colts had a couple of years ago. Matt Ryan and uh, well, Matt Ryan now and Philip Rivers then are two quarterbacks that are pretty comparable. Uh, in terms of skill set, you know, in terms of age, in terms of what they can do at this point in time. Uh, both were not good deep throwers of the football. Both don't really have the ability to still zip the ball down the field into tight windows. And that's understandable because, you know, both of them were like 30. What was I think Matt Ryan now is 37. Phil Rivers is like 38, 39, something like that. So it's understandable that they wouldn't be able to zip the ball down the field because of all the mileage, you know, they've accumulated on their arms. So um, I think, you know, with how limited Matt Ryan is, you know, how you can throw the football down the field, I still think it's a, it's a situation where you can compare the Phillip Rivers, you know, and that's not to say Matt Ryan will come in and just stink it up because let's be honest, Matt Ryan is a much better option right now at this point in time than Carson Wentz, you know, the quarterback that the Colts had last season. Uh, Matt Ryan is still more safe with the football. He's more experienced. Uh, he makes way less mistakes, way less boneheaded mistakes than Carson Wentz was prone to last season. So um, it's a good move. It's a good start for the Colts to at least find some sort of stability at the quarterback position because we got worried that uh, the Colts intend to start Matt Ryan for at least two more seasons. So um, it's a good start, you know, for stability. Uh, and then after those two seasons, or maybe after one season, who knows, we'll see, you know, how it all looks uh, once those two seasons arrive. So we'll see, but it's it's a good start. They still have some options, or they still have some holes up front along the offensive line, and they also still have some questions at wide receiver as well. So like I said, it's a good start. Uh, we'll see what they do from here. Yeah. You know, it's a definite upgrade over Carson Wentz. That's my number one feeling on it. They still have a hole at wide receiver, really. Michael Pittman's really your only guy to speak of. They lost Zach Pascal um, over the offseason. That wasn't great for them. And again, I'll, I'll just echo what I said last week, which is they had $60 million in cap space and they made almost no free agent moves. They could have improved the offensive line a little bit, I think. I think Teron Armstead would have been a good tackle to pair with Matt Ryan. And then if you have that set up, I feel like the Colts become much more dangerous. But everybody likes to say the Colts offensive line is great. But if you look at PFF grades and the way they played down the stretch last year, the Colts line was not great and had some real holes. That's something they have to address in the draft for sure coming up this year, in my opinion. And they, they just have a lot of work to do. They have limited draft picks because of the Carson Wentz trade already. So Chris Ballard's really going to have to pull some draft magic, which, I mean, he's drafted well in the past, but I am not convinced this is enough, especially in a loaded AFC, to make the Colts more than a 
eight or nine win team. But still, you know, you could, you know, nine and eight isn't bad for the for the Colts, but you your owner demanded that you trade Carson Wentz basically because you threw away a playoff game and you didn't make the playoffs. I think Frank Reich's on a hot seat this year. I think Chris Ballard is on a hot seat this year. And ultimately, I don't know, Trey, I, I just don't see the Colts as a playoff team. Yeah, I don't think either of those guys are on a hot seat just yet. If it goes poorly this year, then I could see it next season. But for right now, I think they're quite safe. I think the fact that they were forced to trade Carson Wentz by the owner tells me that they were expected to make the playoffs last year. And the fact they didn't in the way they didn't was a massive disappointment. And if they don't make the playoffs this year, they're in real danger. That's just the way I feel. No, that's yeah, that's what I said. Maybe next year, if things don't go right this year, you know, you know, with Matt Ryan at the helm, you expect things to go a little bit better. Uh, but if it doesn't, then of course, certainly next year, that year. I, could be the year I just, that. I just think that if they don't make the playoffs this year with Matt Ryan, I, I don't know if they have jobs moving forward. That's just me. No, and I think they will, even if they don't make the playoffs, because they still have holes. Like they still have holes and, and, you know, they don't have the picks. They don't have, well, they have the cash base, but they don't have a lot of options out there to really uh, address those holes. I mean, well, there's, there aren't a lot of options out there to address what their left tackle spot. They don't, they don't have a left tackle. I mean, they don't have a wide receiver. I mean, they, there's just not a lot of, options out there in the free agent market to really address those holes you know in the draft maybe since there's def at wide receiver and there should be some def along the offensive line as well but for free agency you know there's just no sort of viable win now options that they have to the point where they could fill those holes to feel comfortable about their options so um i think you know you know in lieu of all that i think they you know they get at least two more years because they still have a core to where they can survive two more years. They can bring in another staff, another GM. Uh, they can bring that GM and that new coach into a nice win-now situation, and then, you know, they'll see where they go from there. But I think they have two, at least two more years, you know, to at least see what they can do. Uh, and if all goes wrong, then we'll see some changes for sure. Yeah, we will – we will see what ends up happening with Indianapolis. They are an interesting team, uh, a much less interesting team. The Falcons now, what this means for them, they move on from Matt Ryan. They basically admit that they are in a total rebuild mode. I looked at this roster the other day, Trey, and I think it might be the worst roster in the NFL, like even, even compared to the Texans. Um, they did something to fix that today with the Auden Tate move. Uh, they now have something at wide receiver at least, but it, it's going to be an incredibly tough year for the Falcons. So they get a bridge quarterback, a guy where if suddenly you win with him, you say, okay, we found our guy. And if you lose with him, it's not a big deal. They can move on from him next year. 
and go take Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. It is Marcus Mariota back in our lives. Trey, I'm going to give the floor to you because you are the Marcus Mariota expert as a Titans person that covers them. And let's be honest, back when you were a Titans fan, because we know you started out at least as a Titans fan, I bet you were a fan of Marcus Mariota as a, as a younger person before you were the integrity-laden journalist that you are right now. But is that a true statement? One of your first football loves, I bet, is Marcus Mariota. I guess you could say that, sir. Okay, so as a Marcus Mariota expert, what are the Falcons expecting here? I mean, the Falcons should be expecting a quarterback that, you know, within the right system can be very accurate. It's a good leader uh, and can use his mobility can, to really extend plays and cause some mismatch problems for defenses. The thing with him is that there are times when his lower body, his footwork, his mechanics can get all out of whack. Sometimes he isn't the most accurate deep passer. Sometimes he, you know, doesn't make too many or take too many risks when it comes to throwing the football down the field. And there are times when he puts his body in harm's way, uh, whether that's him running or whether it's him holding on to the ball too long in the pocket. Uh, and it's causing him to take even more hits than he should. So um, I think Marcus as a bridge certainly is a nice option as a bridge. You know, he has some nice traits that you can, you know, I guess you could say manage. Um, his weaknesses aren't too bad to the point where you have to totally overhaul the system and really adhere to his strengths just so you can at least put yourself in contention to win football games. But his weaknesses are kind of, I guess you say, obvious enough to the point that uh, they're really, they really stand out as limiting factors as to him being, you know, a, a, a top franchise guy and uh, limits his ability to really lead a, 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 you know, a true contender, you know, for a team that wants to get to the playoffs and do bigger things than that. So um, he certainly has limiting factors, you know, but him as a bridge option, I think it's pretty darn fine. Uh, who knows? Maybe he learned some things while, you know, being Derek Carr's backup the last couple of years that will help him in his next experience as a starter. Uh, but, you know, probably in all likelihood, he is what he is at this point, and there's nothing that can change that. Um, you know, just with his situation with the Falcons at this point, it's going to be kind of hard to see him having any sort of crazy success, you know, in the first year because, you know, the Falcons' offensive line is bad, you know, and their skill position situation is dreadful. It's probably one of the worst in football. I mean, they're starting wide receivers. One of their starting wide receivers, you know, at this point should be Alvin Tate. And he literally just got signed to what I think, I believe was like the vet minimum just earlier today. So um, that, that, that skill position situation is dreadful. Um, maybe Kyle Pitts and maybe Cordell Patterson can make some noise and make some things happen. But in all likelihood, it should be a struggle for the Falcons offensively. Uh, but it won't solely be the full of Marcus Mariota. Um, I can say that for a fact. Now, Trey, when we get to mid-July and I buy my football magazines, as I always do, 
and we sit here and I force you to do division previews and we run down skill position lists in July when I say, hey, this Falcons roster, that actually doesn't look too bad. I need you to like reach through your computer screen and smack me across my face, Will Smith style, because... I will talk myself into this Falcons roster. I'm just telling you that right now. You know how much of a Kyle Pitts fan I am. I will talk myself, especially if they make a nice draft pick or two, I will talk myself into this Falcons roster this year. Like 100% guaranteed. I'll be like, hey, the NFC's weak. They could be a playoff team. What I need you to do is I need you to become Will Smith and me to become Chris Rock. And I just need you to smack me because there's just no way that's the case. But I'm telling you right now, Trey, it's going to happen. Do you believe me? Because I, I, I was thinking about it earlier today and the Falcons, you, this is true, correct? There is always one bad team every year that I kind of fall in love with over the offseason and talk myself into. Last year, it was the Jaguars. I think this year it's going to be the Falcons. So please just keep that in mind as we go through this offseason. Yeah, I most certainly will. And even if you try to bring up a, a, a specific rookie wide receiver that the Falcons might draft their top 10 pick, I'm still going to slap you. I'm still going to prevent you from making the dumb decision to buy into a horrible, horrible roster. So, yeah, I'll keep that in mind. Where do you stand on the slap? Let's let's focus on popular culture here for a moment. Oh, jeez, man. I got all my jokes out yesterday. It's one of the funniest things, one of the funniest nights on this app ever. But look, man. <laughs> oh, man. That was just a wild moment in a wild time, bro. I don't know, man. It just kind of happened out of nowhere. It, it has to be one of the most electric live TV moments of all time, right? I mean, oh, yeah, because there's violence involved. <laughs> so, and even then, it's the doggone, what? The, it's the Oscars, man. The Oscars have been dead. Literally, the Oscars have had no life for, like, the past five, six, seven, eight, ten years. I don't, I don't want to hear about that whole crappy uh ellen selfie crap the 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 oscar's been dead way before that so bringing some violence in there and bringing some life to the oscars is i guess you could say it's something that could bring some life to the oscars maybe under circumstances that the oscars and everybody else probably wouldn't like but it is what it is it's what happens so uh what was your fit what is your favorite meme thus far uh I've looked at too much. I, I was, I was my, looking at more, more inappropriate stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite one, NFL related, was Will Smith. It, it says Urban Meyer on Will Smith, and Chris Rock is his players. <laughs> and, and it just made me laugh because I love just dragging Urban Meyer. There's nothing better. There's no better national pastime than dragging that dude. And it's just, it's just awesome, man. Anyhow, that was our brief pop culture moment. Uh, my vote is every year at the Oscars now, we get someone to slap someone. Like there's a random name selector and it's just a slap off at, uh, 
it happens at a random point in the show each contestant basically is the person in the crowd that has to go up and slap the presenter is given a buzzer the buzzer goes off at some point and they have to go slap the person that's what i vote happens if they did that i would watch the oscars every single year without fail I actually tuned in for the last little bit of it live, to be completely honest with you. I saw that wild speech he gave where he just broke down crying and was like, violence is not the answer, even though I just smacked the absolute shit out of Chris Rock. But uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was just a wonderful night. I, I did want to bring that up at some point in today's podcast. So now we've covered it, Trey. Of course, of course. I mean, there's no way to avoid talking about it, so it is what it is. Now, if I wanted to get in trouble, I'd make an insensitive joke here about Tyree Kill's history of slapping people. But I won't. But no, I wanted to. Tyree Kill gets moved to the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, eh, Trey? Along with Teron Armstead being signed as a free agent, and suddenly the Dolphins have Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddell, Mike Gusecki, Devontae Parker, although I think he might be a cut casualty, and Teron Armstead to fix what has been an absolutely putrid offensive line for the last few years. What do we think about Miami's moves? Uh, I think I'll start with the Tyreek Hill one. Tyreek Hill one was a pretty good one. Uh, just, you know, they've been really trying to put more talent around Tua. And, you know, they found Devontae Parker. Uh, they got uh, Jalen Waddle in the draft. They've been trying to, you know, they have Mike Gusecki as well. So um, just adding Tyreek Hill adds another element, you know, another element of speed and playmaking to a team that really only had one game-breaking, I guess you could say, skill player, and that was Jalen Waddle. But he didn't get too many opportunities to, you know, showcase that game-breaking talent because, you know, Tua Tagovailoa isn't the best downfield thrower of the football. So um, I, I just I, – I guess when you put it all on paper, I mean, sure, it's a good move, but if you don't have a quarterback that can push the ball down the field and give you an opportunity – uh, or give those skill players an opportunity to make plays deep down the field, then what's the point of it all, really? I mean, are you just going to throw, what, five-yard passes to Tyreek and hope he can turn five yards into 45? I mean, that's what they did last year with Jalen Waddle, and he set the all-time rookie receptions record, but his yards per reception was putrid. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they they think, maybe, and I don't know if this is with Dolphins' ownership, I don't know. I don't know. Chris Greer thinks Tua is the answer. Um, spoiler, he isn't. He's not that good. But, I mean, maybe they're setting up for another deep arm or you know, quarterback with a big arm that can throw the football down the field in next year's draft. I mean, who knows? I mean, they're just not going to get anywhere with Tua. And I'll stand by that until I'm proven wrong. He's, I just don't think he's that good. So, uh, on paper, it's a good move. I guess you could say, you know, anytime you can add a game-breaking talent like Tyreek Hill, you know, of his magnitude, then of course you can do it, you know, no matter the cost. But I don't know. I just don't know if, you know, Tua's the guy to to really help elevate that talent 
that they have around them and really put that offense in good spots, regardless of who's a head coach. And right now it's Mike McDaniel. So. Yeah. Mike McDaniels was like, I can't have Debo Samuels. So I'm just going to go out and get Tyree kill. What like a masterful coaching job that is. I know rightfully so we crap on the Dolphins ownership for basically being alleged to like straight up tank. But shout out Dolphins' new coaching and management for very quickly putting together one of the more interesting rosters in the AFC. Obviously, this puts a lot of pressure on Tua. But Trey, I have a take. And I've been thinking about this for a little while. I think it's time we just readjust our expectations for Tua. Like, I think everybody hyped him up so much that he was going to come into the league and be this deep ball throwing like crazy gunslinger type quarterback that he was in college. And the matter of the fact is at the pro level, he just can't do that. He doesn't really have the arm talent for it. But I was watching some Tua highlights. I pulled him up on game pass a little bit over the past few days. He is like a masterful, like short game passer. Like he kind of reminds me a little bit of like late era Philip Rivers or Drew Brees before he got really going in New Orleans or um, Mac Jones even this year. I feel like Tua can be a really effective quarterback with these guys because he is just going to be able to hit like 87 yard slants down the field and let Tyreek just take the ball and, and make magic happen. And he's going to be able to hit the stuff in the middle of the field and pick his spots. And I think it takes some guys time to get better at mentally processing. This was a point Greg Rosenfall had. And I think it takes time for that to happen. And I think in year three, it's going to click for Tua. And I, I, I now, does that mean he's going to be a top 10 quarterback? Who knows? There are so many good quarterbacks in the league this year. Probably not. But will he be good enough to make the Dolphins competitive every week? I definitely think so. And, you know, of course, that's been the whole mantra with Tua is just trying to make those guys competitive. And for the most part, yes, he's done that. But, you know, just for the long term, I guess you say, future of this team and where they want to be and what they want to do and what they want to win, I just don't think Tua is the guy. Now, if the if the Dolphins, you know, and I think this will really help them, you know, Tua and, you know, the Dolphins offense as a whole, if the Dolphins, you know, and you know, can really start finding more success with uh, Mike McDaniel's offense, because his offense is one that could really help aid uh, a, a young quarterback. Well, not just a young quarterback, but a young quarterback with physical limitations in their game. Um, it's a physical run-based offense that can really help you get into advantageous looks in the passing game, whether it's play action whether it's in the short passing game. So, I mean, and, you know, I, I think just with the scheme that Mike McDaniel is bringing over from San Francisco, you know, there will be some advantageous looks uh, probably more than Tua has gotten in the past couple of years, uh, but there'll be some advantageous looks for Tua to really make some plays, you know, maybe not the traditional deep ball, you know, sort of, uh, offense passing the ball down the field, but maybe I'll play action, maybe some schemed, 
uh, plays where he can, you know, he doesn't have to throw the football completely like 50, 60 yards down the field, but maybe uh, 20, 30 yards downfield to a wide open guy, maybe to Tyreek Hill, you know, he can use his speed and do what he has to do. So um, I, I certainly think Mike McDaniel's offense, you know, will be an asset. You know, he doesn't have the complete personnel for it to completely click yet. But if you give him some time and, you know, let him fill the roster, particularly on the offensive line, then maybe uh, we'll see, you know, those plans come to fruition. But at this point in time, I just I just don't really see Tua as being that long-term guy for the Dolphins to really help elevate that offense and bring them to passes where they really want to be, which all in likelihood includes winning the Super Bowl title. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how this season plays out for the Dolphins. They are, to me, one of the most intriguing teams in the AFC that doesn't have one of these huge-name quarterbacks that now all reside in the AFC. Like, of the non-quarterback-heavy teams, they are the most interesting to me. Um, It's going to be fascinating to see what happens there all right keeping it in the afc east by the way the afc east could be pretty good this year uh if the patriots do good in the draft which is a big if um because i you know i've said it before i i still think it bill belichick kind of a washed gm letting jc jackson walk like what is the vision there bill but Mac Jones, Dolphins are loaded on offense, Josh Allen, and now the Jets pick up Solomon Thomas to really revamp a a defense that was terrible throughout most of the year, came on, played okay down the stretch. Now Robert Sala has his defense back in place. Solomon Thomas had his best years while playing for Robert Sala. And hey, Trey, I mean, the Jets, the Jets could not be embarrassing this year. Or, or am I crazy to think that? I mean, it shouldn't be embarrassing on, you know, based on certain logic. So, I mean, usually with second year coaches, you know, even in situations like these where you're looking at a long term rebuilding project, you're supposed to see some improvement in all facets, whether it's offensively, defensively, special schemes, game management. You're supposed to see some improvement, personnel-wise as well. So um, I think certainly we'll see some improvement because I think Robert Sala is a decent coach, and I, I think he's a decent developer of talent on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, jury's still out on Zach Wilson, you know, what he can do, you know, how he can get, you know, how he can uh, – I guess you say find a better season that he had in his rookie season, you know, because he had all his weapons hurt and it was just a bad situation around him, including him getting hurt. So um, I I think maybe we'll see some improvement, you know, actually not maybe, I think there's a good chance we'll see some improvement. They brought in CJ Uzama. uh, They brought in Tyler Conklin. Those are two tight ends that aren't, I guess you say elite tight ends, but they're really good uh, blockers and they can even contribute some in the passing game as well, you know, especially Uzama. So um, there should be some improvement with the Jets. I hope there are, or I hope there is, because I'm tired of the Jets being bad. F- football's better. Sports are better when the bigger, you know, brands of the sport are good. So <laughs> uh, 
that's that's all that's really my opinion so um hopefully we'll see some improvement from the jets because their fans deserve it after so so many years of feeling like they're in the cellar in all honesty yeah we we will see it all comes down to zach wilson you know depending on if he's good or not I guess they better hope they're drafting some wide receivers because they did nothing to improve at that position. And it's also very concerning that the Jets wide receivers just performed the best they did last year when Joe Flacco was playing. Like, that's just a little bit concerning to me. Like, Elijah Moore had his best games when Joe Flacco was throwing him the ball, as did Corey Davis. (laughs) So... We'll see what happens. I hope they draft some more people, load up for Zach Wilson a little bit. But, you know, I still don't think they'll win more than five games right now. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, though. I'm, I, 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 I bought into them too much this offseason. I'm not doing it again. Good decision because anytime, and this is what modern or recent history has shown us, Buy into the Jets, buy into the Giants, actually. Buy into any New York teams, and you'll be burned significantly, and it's going to hurt badly. (laughs) All right. Uh, Some ownership meeting notes. You didn't think this would help, but they are going to try to get diverse. Uh, Ari Mirov of uh, Pro Football Focus. Um, man is saying that beginning in this season, all 32 teams will employ quote a diverse person. <laughs> I'm sorry, Trey. I just have to, <laughs> why would they phrase it like that? A diverse person to serve as an offensive assistant, this person will work closely with the head coach and offensive staff to gain experience with many head coaching hires being on the offensive side. League believes this could help in the future. I'm going to do the rare Eric just flips on a take completely. Before the show, I thought, yeah, that made a lot of sense. But now reading it out loud, Trey, this is just total nonsense, PR nonsense, right? <laughs> like, uh I'm sorry I even brought this up. I I really thought that this was a step in positive direction, but after reading it out loud live on a podcast, I I now see that it's just total nonsense. And that's, we were talking about this pre-show, and I literally told you that (laughs) it's just nothing. It's literally nothing. Like, what what do they think that that, that's going to do? It's literally, but like, literally basically the same as the Rooney rule. And the Rooney rule didn't work. My goodness gracious, bro. We, what, what do you think it's going to happen? They're just going to suddenly start plucking diverse, and you can't see my fingers, but diverse coaching candidates off uh, coaching staffs across the league when we already see diverse candidates get passed over year after year for more unqualified and inexperienced candidates uh, for a significant job. So, I mean, I just don't understand what the point of this is and what the point and what this is going to do. I mean, what are they just going to do? I, I, in all seriousness, I want I really want to know. And I really, I really want, I want, I want to know this. What went through their pea brain, old, weird, loser brains that they had to sit down and say, you know what? 
let's improve the one rule that has done absolutely positively zilch for the problem that the rule was designed to address. Let's let's improve on it. And let's let's put some crap verbiage and you know some statements around it and make it look all cooler and make it look all modern, but still have the rule come out looking stupid and useless and unnecessary. I understand. I and and I get this whole, you know, the people in charge of these sorts of things, these people, the people in charge of these sort of things do not think they've never thought, they've never really considered the circumstances past uh you know, what's on the surface. They just haven't looked past, you know, everything. It's just disrespectful and stupid and weird. So I don't get it. I don't I don't know what it's going to take for them to realize that what they're deciding on with this sort of rule, with this sort of problem. I don't know what it's going to take to make them realize that what they're doing is stupid and it's not going to work. Maybe a slap in the face, maybe a kick in the stomach, maybe a punch in the nose. Who knows? But there had to be some sort of, over-the-top action that makes these idiot owners and all the, uh, the the rule deciders realize that, hey, what you're doing is wrong. It's never going to be, it's never going to work out. It's never going to be right until you listen to the people that the, the entire problem is affecting. So I, I just don't get it. I don't know what it's going to take. And, you know, until they, you know, we see some sort of, you know, actual legit action go on, that any sort of rule or changing rule or any sort of positive change that will help include more persons of color when it comes to uh, uh when it comes to bias in hiring people for coaching staffs that it's just worthless to me all this is worthless to me it's not worth my time it won't be worth my time and in fact it's a waste of time actually i'm so mad i literally have to yell above my voice and waste breath on this I could have wasted my breath laughing at something I see on my phone instead of yelling and talking about this. Why have to waste my breath on this? Because it's stupid. It doesn't make sense. Why have to waste my breath on this? I'm with you, Trey. You're speaking from a position I definitely can't. So I'm just going to let that breathe. And you are going to be our, you'll, you'll be our correspondent on this. Um, so yeah, that was the ownership meeting. Oh, in better news, they're going to shove more foot down on football down our throat. Trey, goodbye to the NBA. They are no longer the Christmas sport. The NFL now plans to have three games on Christmas Day. Yeah, I mean, look, man. In the last couple of years, I haven't really watched too much sports on Christmas anyways because I view it as a day where I can relax and do what I want to do. Uh, but that is weird to see the NBA's you know, pastime, just get completely shunned and destroyed by the NFL, who only recently came into this field of consistently putting games on Christmas Day anyway. So it's it's a kind of a big middle finger to the NBA. You know, they haven't done themselves any favors. Uh, the NFL has in a couple of weird and unfortunate ways. But, yeah, it, it's weird to see the NBA have their pass and just ripped away from them like that. Also, a Black Friday game is being discussed. I'm a fan of that. Black Friday is always a big hockey day. Rangers, Bruins, always on Black Friday, always a good game. I like sports on Black Friday. It's a big college football day. Add an NFL game in there, and yeah, let's fly. I'm about that. The NFL just wants to take over every single 
uh, major holiday that's that falls in the calendar within their season. And you know what? Nobody can stop them. So hats off to them, I guess. Cool. Uh, new play-by-play booths. Let's just take a look at this. Amazon Prime, which I guess we have to buy now, Trey, um, is carrying Thursday Night Football now. Al Michaels is going to be the play-by-play guy for that. Color guy is TBD, unless I miss something. I think it might be Kirk Herbstreet. I have to look that up, though. Kirk Herbstreet would make sense. I think I saw that, too. Kirk Herbstreet, Al Michaels. Those two actually seem like they might get along pretty well. So that seems like an interesting booth. Um, biggest news of the offseason, Fox loses both Joe Buck and Troy Aikman to ESPN. And Monday Night Football says, okay, we're done with the Manning cast nonsense. We're tired of people tuning into ESPN2 to watch Monday Night Football. We're just going to put together what I believe to be the best booth in all of football. In Troy Aikman, who, by the way, just got much better as an analyst last year, really bought in was really focused. I think as he's gotten farther away, he's become more critical of players and that's always good in an analyst, I think. Um, And I love Joe Buck. Joe Buck can do no wrong in my eyes. I tell this story all the time. I was one of those people that hated Joe Buck. Then I read Joe Buck's book. I understood a little bit more of why Joe Buck is Joe Buck. Joe Buck's book, Lucky Bastard, Good book if you're a sports nerd and you like sports broadcasters uh, like I do. I like Joe Buck. Joe Buck is my guy. Um, I'm a big fan of this. I will be, unfortunately, not watching the Manning cast every single week. I will be watching Joe Buck. And they'll probably just roll the same plan maybe that they had last year, but maybe not as uh, um, exclamatory. Um, and maybe not as often they'll roll with the Manning cast, you know, both casts, you know, Manning cast and regular Joe Buck and uh, Troy Aikman cast on ESPN, but they'll probably have the Manning cast take some weeks off and they'll get their main booth there, you know, their sole week or weeks for them to shine. So we'll probably see more of that or the same, you know, the same of that uh, this upcoming season. I, I think the only difference is that we'll see the Manning cast a little bit more because they had too many games off last season, uh, which sounds selfish when you think about it, but goodness gracious, there were some games where it would have been hilarious to watch or, you know, to watch and listen uh, to Eli and Peyton just criticize the crap yeah. out of that quarterback play because we saw plenty of, plenty of it on Monday Night Football last yeah, year. Yeah, and, and by the way, there's, like, no excuse for ESPN to have bad games now. Like, you literally have basically the number one broadcast team. Like, Come on, pull some sway with the NFL. Get some of these AFC West games on ESPN. Like, fly. Maybe. I think that all boils down to, like, TV contracts and how they negotiate the amount of games they get, how they can flex games. So, um, flexing flexing a Sunday night game into Monday night, or excuse me, flexing a Sunday afternoon or mid-afternoon game into a Sunday night game, I think that's a little bit more easier Flexing a game, maybe the Monday night, it can be a little bit more difficult at times, but um, I don't think it's entirely, you know, more difficult than the previous scenario I just mentioned. So um, 
if if it's all if it's at all possible, I do want to see more games being flexed on Monday night. Now that there's a good booth, you know, good commentator and analyst booth up there at ESPN, which they've lacked ever since you know uh, Mike Tirico and John Gruden both left. So um, hopefully we get some more good games there because I'm, I'm sick and tired of coming. Uh, coming to watch, sitting, sitting down and watching Monday night football after doing school, doing what I have to do and just watching bad football and having to find something else to do. So uh, hopefully there's some better, some better, good, some better games on there. Fox says Kevin Burkhart's going to be the number one guy. That's fine. I'm not really impressed by Kevin Burkhart personally. Uh, they think the number two, the play-by-play with him is going to be Greg Olson. I'd like it to be Charles Davis. I'm just a Charles Davis stan. I like Charles Davis a lot. But here's my thing, Trey. I, the way I work, you know I work on the Raiders games, right? Like, most of the time, they play in the day, right? So, my whole day is consumed by radio calls. So, I just sit there with Brett Musburger, which is painful and terrible, and I hate it. Um every single Sunday, basically. And I don't really get to see these like B teams or, or, or anything like that. I, until the playoffs, I'm not really listening to the games. Like I'm, I'm just kind of watching them on TV on mute because the radio station TVs for obvious reasons don't have sound on them. Um, so I need you to tell me, Everybody on Twitter loves Greg Olson. Is Greg Olson as good as they say he is? I think Greg Olson is nice. Um, you know, and, and I think some people are trying to compare it, you know, his situation to the Jason Witten situation. Uh, and by comparison, Greg Olson is by far 10 times better than Jason Witten was during his time at ESPN. Uh, there's certainly probably some more room for Greg Olson to grow as an analyst. And that's fine because I believe last season was his first year being an analyst and he was pretty darn good at what he was doing. So uh, there's some room for him to grow, you know, and just pairing him up with Kevin Burkhart, you know, they, they worked a couple games last year. I remember them working the Titans and us uh, 49ers game, um, pairing them up with Kevin Burkhart, who's really, really, really good. In my opinion, I, I think he should have been, um, I, well, I'm not. I'm not sure where he was in the pecking order. I think he was number two with Fox last year. You know, I'm not sure. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But he's certainly a guy that has the voice and has the charisma, and he's certainly a guy that I think deserves to be a lead guy at a network somewhere because I think he's that good. I really enjoy listening to him calling games. So, um, good. I think Olsen and Burkhart have a good partnership and a good sort of uh, camaraderie and chemistry, budding. Uh, so good on Fox for really just making the obvious move uh, that was at hand, you know, when it comes to re- when it came to replacing Joe Buck and Troy Aiken. CBS remains uh, Nans and Romo until Romo retires, which knowing Tony Romo, he is just in love with everything he does. So I bet he'll do this till he literally dies, Trey. Um, Tony Romo. I feel like people soured on him, but I'm just going to say this right now. Dream guests for this podcast, if if we ever were able to somehow get a contact with someone who works at CBS, like I would just love to just like talk with Tony Romo. You, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? 
Like, if we could just have Tony Romo on this podcast and just talk about whatever with Tony Romo for a while, I think it would just be wildly entertaining. And honestly, I just need Tony Romo to have a podcast because I, I could listen to Tony Romo get excited and be Tony Romo all day. Yeah, I mean... I guess the whole idea and the whole idea of Todd, of Tony Robo, what he was bringing to the commentary side of things was good in his first year, first couple of years, actually. But after that, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just me because I don't really pay attention to the commentating sort of things. And I just don't really talk about it unless it's obvious. But I never really felt anything special from Tony Robo. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. maybe that's just me, though. All right, finally, NBC. The man I'm happiest for all of it in all of this, bro. The man I'm happiest for, Mike Dorigo. Been on the bench too long. Al Michaels been washed for a while. Al Michaels does not do it for me. Mikey T, baby. Mike Dorigo's my favorite play-by-play guy in all of sports, basically. Now that Doc Emmerich's retired, Mike Dorigo is my guy. Fun fact, my dad's least favorite person on TV is Chris Collinsworth. He hates Chris Collinsworth, and it's very funny. Every time we watch primetime games together, he's like, dude, why is Chris Collinsworth on this game? It's just a funny bit. Uh, but Mike Tirico, Chris Collinsworth, NBC. I don't know. And I'll disagree with you there because I like Al Michaels. I think he was good. I mean... We don't need every Al Michaels is washed. Al Michaels lost all my respect when he wrote his autobiography like he was going to retire. And then he just used it as a money grab and just straight up didn't retire. Who cares, man? He made money. Who cares? I bought the book and I read it because, again, I'm a sports And Trey, if you like Al Michaels, I would highly have you read his book. I haven't. I don't read books like that, really. Oh, dude, I I would highly recommend it. It's a great, it's just a great book for people going into sports journalism. But still, I hate you for selling me that, Al Michaels. I thought you were going to retire and you straight up didn't. Come on, man. You can't do me like that. Okay. I I, I like Al Michaels, though. (laughs) I like Al Michaels. I really do. (laughs) But I I really need, we really need to prevent this from being a two-hour podcast. So we need to move on. But it was fun to do some media talk, Trey. Of course. Of course, the whole media aspect of everything is certainly something that we need to get into a lot more often because I think maybe we tend to gloss over it a little bit and not, not you know, that isn't maybe a bad thing because we're mostly a football-centric podcast, but... Yeah, in the, the off, in the off-season, it doesn't hurt to talk a little media stuff. Of course not. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Sorensen to New Orleans and the Saints re-signed Raekwon Smith. All I'll say is this, the Saints were like, man, we were pretty mid last year. Let's get more mid. And they just did. They're the most mid team in the NFL. And I cannot wait for this season because it's just going to be total pain. No, the Saints are just, they're annoying. I mean, I've never seen a team and a fan base that wants to get so much respect. And, you know, they, they come in, they came in year after year saying, oh, my goodness, we're going to be good. We're going to win the Super Bowl. You know, that didn't happen, you know. So now with Sean Payton gone, Drew Brees gone, Teron Armstead gone, they bring in Dennis Allen, who did coordinate a good defense, but I believe that was more due to the talent he had around him. Their quarterback is still 
who exactly. If and, you know, maybe I just haven't paid attention to their quarterback situation in the past couple months. But if it's Taysom Hill, I'm not watching a single shred of Saints football. I don't care how good their defense is. I'm not wasting my time watching Taysom Hill throw ducks, 20-yard ducks into the turf, make me lose my mind. So I'm not doing that. I don't care how good their defense is. I'm not watching that. So the Saints will be far away from my TV. They'll be far away from my thoughts. And they deserve to be so because they're boring. That's, that's what they are. The Saints are boring. Sean Payton was the only reason that kept me watching that team because I kept holding on to the hope that the Saints will bring in a reasonable quarterback situation or reasonable quarterback option, combine that with Michael Thomas, combine that with the offensive line, combine that with Alvin Kamara and whatever weapons that they had, and they would have been okay. They would have been okay, but they don't have that. They're losers now. I don't want to watch them. I don't, I want to keep them far away from my eyes because if I watch them, I'm afraid I'm going to get angry. I'm going to get irritable. And I don't want to do that. I have too many things to worry about than concerning myself with watching Taysom Hill and seeing if he, if he can throw an accurate pass 35 yards down the field. I, I, I don't have time for that. I will never have time for that. Not these days. Not me. No. Yeah, I we will definitely be talking more about the Saints because you know we're getting Ryan back on. We both love Ryan, that boy wolf, Saints Twitter podcast legend. I think Ryan likes us. We like Ryan. We're gonna get Ryan back on before the draft, after the draft, in the summer. It's gonna be great. We're gonna talk to Ryan. And uh yeah, but he 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 also shares those thoughts, but they are mid. And I really cannot wait to laugh at him because it's just going to be a great time. So, yeah, I'm excited. And we'll get to hear Ryan if he does indeed get to come on or does indeed come on. We'll get to hear Ryan talk about his mid-team, which he'll probably agree that it is mid and it does stink. and It's boring to watch. So I'll feel for him. I'll feel for him. But I will come out and say, and say it quite often, that the Saints need to be far away from my eyes and far away from my thoughts, at least until they're exciting again. And based on their cap structure, that won't be for a while. Right. And, of course, as, uh, as they like to say over there, what is the vision? Like, what is the vision exactly? To be mid, because... If that's a provision, you're succeeding. All right, lightning round before we take a break, get to a quick mock draft. Trey, I'm just going to run down some of the depth moves the Broncos made in free agency. You can run down some of the depth move the Titans made. Uh, Broncos signed uh, Billy Turner, like an okay mid-level tackle, was probably going to be a replacement of Calvin Anderson, who also re-signed. They still probably need to draft a tackle to get better, but it doesn't look as dire as it looked a few days ago. Keyshawn uh, Kawan Williams, a slot corner from the 49ers. 49ers secondary was middling last year, so I assume Kawan Williams is not anything special, but still add some depth. 
kind of lets the Broncos go best position available in the draft. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Broncos actually have a ton of picks in the draft still. I think they have like 10 picks. So it'll be interesting to see what they do now as we transfer uh, towards draft season and they bring in Josh Johnson as the backup quarterback. So I'm now a Josh Johnson stand. Mark that down, Trey. So no Josh Johnson slander on this podcast. Great. Uh, one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL. Josh Johnson for life. Josh Johnson is the ultimate bagger, man. Dude has played for half the league without a care in the world, without a care for how much he has to travel. He Honestly, just seems, money, seems like a great life. As someone who doesn't like to be in the same place for a long time, like just like being in your mid-20s, making like $5 million each year and living in a different city, like seems like a fun time. Seems like a really fun time. So Josh Johnson, you're my man. I'm a Josh Johnson stand. So shout out Josh Johnson. Yeah, he's a, he's a hero for all the people that just want to get rich quick, just doing it in the most, maybe not obscene way, but the most, I guess you say, underwhelming way possible. Do is a backup. You know, maybe gets signed midway through the year, makes a quick 500K every single time he gets signed. Uh, and he just maybe even plays a couple games. He plays snaps sometimes, man. So, I mean, look, I respect it. I respect him chasing the bag and getting the bag and setting himself up, bro. I respect that. All right. Okay. Well, I think it's time we take a break, Trey. Yes, sir. Let's take a break. Trey, unfortunately, the reality of human life is that someday we will all pass on. No one wants to think about it. It's an uncomfortable topic, but it's important to take care of you and your loved ones when that day comes. That's right, Eric. Fortunately for our listeners, we know of a great guy that can help you set up your wills and trusts. Absolutely, Trey. Our friend Andrew McCullough has you covered. You can find him on Twitter at A-M-C-C-U-L-L-O-U-G-H-105. His DMs are open, and he and the folks at Brindley Sullivan can help you take care of you and your family's estate planning needs. Don't just take our word for it, though. Here is University of Utah star and current draft prospect, Britton Covey, to tell us more. Hey guys, Britton Covey here. As my long time at the University of Utah is coming to a close, it's time for me to start thinking about my future. There's no one I trust more than Andrew McCullough at the firm of Brindley Sullivan for my estate planning needs. Give his office a call to set up a free consultation at 435-673-9220. Andrew's firm is headquartered in St. George, but he spends plenty of time along the Wasatch Front taking care of his needs. So call him and tell him that Britton Covey sent you. More info at trustyourtrust.com. All right, Trey, we're back. So free agency has kind of settled down a little bit, of course. Um, Lots of players been signed. So 
we're going to do this again, our own mock draft. Top 18 it's going to be. I just think every team that didn't make the playoffs, we're going to pick their first round picks. Before we do that, Trey, let's just go over the top five remaining free agents. Uh, Tyron Matthew, Odell Beckham, Stephon Gilmore, Dwayne Brown, and Bobby Wagner. And just outside of that, two honorable mentions, we'll give them Davion Clowney and Calais Campbell. Still some decent talent there. Do you think by the time we record again Sunday, and I hope we'll have Ryan, our draft expert, on the pod Sunday. I think we're going to look at cornerbacks. Um, by s- Sunday, do you think any of these guys will be signed? Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. And I, and I don't want to give no concrete answer because that's just boring and dumb to me. But I don't know, man. It, 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 sometimes we get some of these – sort of free agencies from big time names that go on for way too long. We don't know when they're going to sign, whether it's maybe in the middle of the summer, maybe it's before training camp, but it's just so hard to really judge when they're going to sign. So um, I am really interested to see what Bobby Wagner does sign though, because that's a signing that could really change the defensive outlook of any team that he joins, especially a contender. So, it should be interesting to see where he signs, in all honesty. Yeah. We, we, we will see with all these guys. All right, Trey. Here we go. Let's do a little drafting now. For the sake of time, no trades. No trades in this version. So, you're going to tell me right now, my man. Who are the Jacksonville Jaguars taking with the first pick of the draft? I've seen so much love for Trayvon Walker, a defensive lineman out of Georgia lately. I don't just... get that at all. He does not look like a first overall draft pick. Yeah, maybe it's just, you know, the usual talk that we get before the draft, and I think that's what it is. So I'm just going to stick with Aiden Hutchinson going number one. Um, Jags need more playmakers on both sides of the ball, but especially defensively, aside from Josh Allen, uh, they need more playmakers. They need more game changers. So they can get with Aiden Hutchinson there, get them a talented defensive lineman that they can pair with another one in Josh Allen and see where that takes them for the future. Yeah, I'm with you. And by the way, the way we're going to do this is Trey will be the GM for all the odd teams, basically, and I'll be the GM for all the even teams. But if there's something we totally disagree with, we can talk it out. Number two, Trey, I'm going to surprise you. I know that I said I wouldn't fall for the hype, but now I'm slightly falling for the hype. I really do think the Lions are going to take Malik Willis at two. I don't know. I don't really think they're going to do that. I mean, the Lions, there's just no point in them taking Malik Willis right now. Really? Why not? Because you can get a better quarterback next year that might be ready to play now once he gets drafted. I mean, the Lions aren't going to be bad enough to where they'll be out of contention for the number one pick in the draft. They can uh, – Well, if Malik Willis is really that bad, you'll go into next year's draft with still a position to to get a quarterback. Why not no, just keep shooting Mal- until you get it? No, because the thing with Malik Willis is that – and this should be the – course of action with any team that drafts Malik Willis 
Malik Willis should not be playing year one at all. He's just not ready to play year one, not even close to being ready. He needs to sit behind a guy for a year or two and see how the, you know, see how everything works because he still has a lot of things to work on. So I think with the Lions and everything, you know, they'll be going into year three next year and maybe they've seen some progress, maybe they don't. But if they don't see, you know, progress record-wise, they get their franchise quarterback next year, which uh, the best quarterback in the draft next year is supposed to be Bryce Young, quarterback out of quarterback out of Alabama. So, um, no, just just put your dice, roll your dice on finding your guy next year in a much better quarterback class, supposedly, and just build up your roster for right now because right now that roster just isn't, you know, it isn't one of the best rosters in the league. It isn't horrible. It isn't. I don't think it's Texans situation or maybe Falcons situation, but it's still not all that good. So, you know, it, it needs some help. So just build up your roster then and find your quarterback next year. All right. I, I disagree, but I'll listen to you on this version since we're going to do a few more of these. Um, Trey, where do you think they go position-wise? And I'll pick a guy. Uh, talking about Detroit? Yeah. Uh, that's tough. Um, you know what I'll say? If you think you're going to get a, a guy next year in the draft, they didn't they sign a wide receiver, right? Um, yeah, they signed DJ Chark from Jacksonville. You signed DJ Chark. You drafted Penne Sewell this last year. Why not just solidify your offensive line for the next 10 years, take Evan Neal? That's who, who they'd take it to. Um, yeah, you could. You could switch him over to left tackle as well. Or excuse me, right tackle, since you have, or actually, you have Pene Sewell and Taylor Decker at both left and right tackle. So, I don't know. Maybe that's not the best move. There. Rich get richer. You can never use too many tackles. Well, of course, but you're not going to just roll out there with three young tackles, man, and find a chance. You can to- cover up a lot if you have a great offensive line. I th- I'm you wouldn't let me take Malik Willis. I'm taking Evan Neal. All right. Well, Texans I mean, are that pick doesn't make sense either, man. <laughs> Texans are on the clock. We took Evan Neal. It's too late. Gosh, man. Now you're just leaving me with a bad situation. That pick doesn't make sense, dude. Come on. Well, uh, you wouldn't let me take Malik Willis, Trey, so I took Evan Neal. You could have looked on the big board and found another option, man. No, I like, I like, I like just drafting all the tackles. That's what we're doing. I'm That's not how we do things here. Yes, but bro, it's too late. This is the way IGM. Okay, Texans, you're up. Yeah, you'd be fired, man. Um, third pick for the Texans. Since you took Evan Neal, I was gonna go Evan Neal for the Texans at three. Um, I think I'll go with Kim Ikangwu from North Carolina State. Texans offensive line situation is not good right now, <laughs> it's not good at all. Um, you know, I guess the one lone bright spot up there up front is Laramie Tunzel. You know, even then he's been dealing with a lot of injury issues. Uh, and you know, just him trying to stay on the field has been a problem for him for the past couple of years. So finding another tackle up there, you know, for Davis Mills or another quarterback Mills, um, should be the way for the Texans to go unless some irresistible trade offer really pops up. Uh, on their table because aside from tackle really at this spot I don't think there's really a, a prospect that the uh, Texans should really consider honestly sounds good to me all right Trey 
They signed Jordan Whitehead, I believe, in free agency, the Jets did. But they put together that safety room even more. One of my favorite players in the draft, Jets take Kyle Hamilton here. Kyle Hamilton? That's not too bad. I've seen some some uh, some comments from more plugged-in draft guys saying Kyle Hamilton maybe might fall out of the top eight, top nine, maybe top ten, because first off, well, two things. He ran a real, real slow. I saw that right before we got on. And they said it is pro, I believe. He ran in low four sevens, which is, you know, that doesn't really give you a great indicator of athleticism. But uh, his game tape looks, looks, you know, better than four seven. So maybe that, you know, might be an indicator. Maybe, you know, he doesn't fall out of the top eight, nine, ten. Who knows? But uh, maybe, maybe that game speed really on tape really changes things. Uh, And two, Teams just re- really don't really value safeties at this point in time. It's it's I I don't want to say it's the same as the running back situation because literally we're running backs. You can find a running back off the street, but teams are starting to really not value free safeties. You know, just strictly safety play, unless you're a complete game changer at that position. So, um, but he'd certainly be a real nice chess piece, defensive chess piece for a team that's trying to rebuild moving forward. So, um. Who knows? But maybe that's not too bad of a pick there for the Jets at four. Right. Who the Giants got at five? Uh, the Giants probably need some help along the offensive line as well. So I'll probably go uh, – maybe let's go Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. Um, I'm not too uh, geared in and too – plugged in into Charles Cross as a prospect, but he's certainly been a name that I've watched or not watched, but I've seen connected in the draft process over the past couple months, dating back maybe to the beginning of college football season. So um, the Giants need offensive line help. They really need that if they want uh, Brian Dabble's schemes to really get going because he wants his quarterbacks to really drop back and throw the football, um, you know, unless they can find a way to pound the football, you know. So of course, with the Giants' offensive line situation, that doesn't look likely either. So get them another offensive lineman to really jumpstart their offensive line rebuild and really the rebuild in New York in general. So um, I'll, I'll take Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. All right, uh, six, the Panthers. You know, I, I'm the quarterback class sucks. I'm not disputing that. But everything I've seen on Twitter and everything I know about the draft, still, I think in these top 18 quick picks, at least three quarterbacks are going. The first one goes here. Panthers need a quarterback. Kenny Pickett goes first out of the quarterbacks. I honestly don't think Kenny Pickett is going to make maybe the top 12 um, simply because there's a lot more. I think there will be a lot of reaches, Trey. I think you'll be shocked. We'll see. I just think the smart thing is to recognize the, the positional value that the top half of the draft class really presents, you know, from the first round onward and the depth that it has. So reaching for a quarterback in a bad draft class, is just not the right move and not the smart move. But like you said, we see. But it's a desperate, it's a desperate move and there's no one more desperate than that rule. Yeah, of course, because if he doesn't find a quarterback, he doesn't put a product on the field and he's going to get canned. So, Maybe I could see that for the Carolina Panthers. Cool. Uh, Giants at seven. Uh, I think maybe this is a little bit more tougher. 
because I already had the Giants picking an offensive lineman in Charles Cross here. Uh, I got an easy one for you. I was going to settle on Garrett Wilson because they need a wide receiver. Really? At least. You go him over Kayvon Thibodeau? Uh, maybe. Uh, you know, and, and it's tough. It really depends on the vision that Joe showing and Brian Dabble has. I could totally see them picking Kayvon Thibodeau just to get them a defensive piece and something to really build around on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but I can maybe see Garrett Wilson as well, so. You know, one of those two, I think I'll settle on Wilson, though. Okay. Donnie's going to be very upset with you. He was very upset last time we didn't pick Kayvon Thibodeau when he was (laughs) on the board. (laughs) Um, So, the Falcons, on the clock at eight, got to go – best position available so Kayvon Thibodeau is the easy pick here I think yeah and Atlanta you know their roster isn't too good they need an infusion of talent on both sides of the ball but if you can get you can get Kayvon Thibodeau you can work with him and hope you can mold him into a uh, a nice defensive piece that has a lot of athleticism and a lot of potential and room to grow so Kayvon Thibodeau isn't a bad pick here for the Falcons Seahawks at nine. Mm, and you were just talking about reaches here. Ah, oh, man. I'm telling you, bro, I think it's Malik Willis. I think the plan, I think the vision there is bring Baker in for a year, see if Baker can succeed with the weapons they have in Seattle. Draft Malik Willis. If Baker doesn't pan out, you have Malik Willis next year. If Baker does pan out, you can trade Malik Willis for a high second-round pick. Yeah, and I think we'll go with probably Malik Willis here at nine to the Seattle Seahawks. They need a quarterback, just traded Russell Wilson away. You need a young piece that can that can they can really build around for the future. So, um, plus it's that's probably a situation where he can sit and learn for a year or two as well. So that's probably an advantageous situation for him as well. Wide receiver for the Jets here. He's still on the board. He it's going to take some time to get back, but this feels like a Joe Douglas move. Jamison Williams here, I think. Yeah, I would have gone corner here. I would have gone corner here. I think because okay. Robert Sala's scheme is really entrenched and really dependent on corners that can really take away different but sides. you yes. got you got Kyle Hamilton with the fourth pick that's what yeah but that's safety play you need strict corner play for the Robert Sala scheme that I'm trying to push here okay I I still think that they're gonna eventually say we need to surround Zach Wilson with talent so well, of I, course I, but there's depth there they can do that in the later rounds they have a lot of picks so they can do that whenever they want oh good well, I, I went I went Williams. All right, you've got the Commanders, the Washington Commanders. Yeah, um, Washington Commanders. Um, I think they might need some corner talent here, and I'm going to give them a corner or a player that probably shouldn't have lasted this long in this month draft. Uh, I'm going to give them Sauce Gardner, corner out of Cincinnati. Um, despite his, I guess you say, group of five status going to Cincinnati, he's a really, really good player with some nice intangibles and traits that uh, any team would probably want to build around. He's 6'3", which, you know, it's pretty, pretty tall for a corner 
but he has some real nice athleticism goals along with that height, which makes him a really intriguing prospect. So um, I'm going to give them sauce. I'm going to give Washington sauce Gardner at 11 here. Okay. 12 Vikings just signed to Darius Smith. They need someone aside uh, across from him slash that can play in the middle. He was a guy we talked about that's getting first overall pick vibes. I see him here more at 12, though, Trayvon Walker. Okay, it's not too bad. That's probably a pick that's really, you know, tied to Minnesota's previous uh, tradition of picking their defensive players just to build that defensive side of the ball. So I can see that if he doesn't go higher. Back from the Watson trade, the Texans get the 13th overall pick. So who are they taking here, Trey? Uh, sheesh, man. They have needs all over the place. Ah, uh, man. The PFF selector thing needs every position. <laughs> it literally, they need everything, man. Uh, uh, just to refresh you, by the way, in case you forgot, because I know they have a lot of first-round picks. So far, they have Ikem Aguanu, the tackle, and I think that's it. I thought they might have had two picks, but they only have one thus far. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess maybe for this one, I think they turn to the defensive side of the ball and take maybe a corner here with uh, maybe Derek Stingley, corner out of LSU, had a real good freshman season. You know, that was during the season where Joe Burrow and the rest of the LSU team was really, really good. Derek Stingley was one of those prospects that, you know, draft pundits were pegging as an early maybe top five pick because, you know, how talented he was and how well he played. Uh, played through some injuries over the past couple of years, uh, and, but he still possesses a, a real nice, desirable amount of traits, and he's still a really good-looking prospect where he's – I think it's going to be drafted in the top 20 at worst. So um, I, I'll give the Texans uh, Derek Stingley here at 13 as they try to rebuild that roster from the ground up with all the picks they received. Okay, so Derek Stingley here. By the way, this gives me a nice time to preview this, and Trey, you're just finding this out. Sunday, we'll be back on our normal podcast schedule. Sunday, we're going to have Ryan back on, and Trey, just so you know, so you can do some research, we're going to go in-depth on corners, funny enough. Okay. I'm still not sold on Derek Stingley, personally. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about what people say about him, so we're going to go much more in-depth on that on Sunday, so be looking for that. Um, okay, for Ravens, they need an edge rusher now. Still, I'm going to go Jermaine Johnson, the second. This is a guy that I love, one of my favorite draft prospects, really. And uh, the Ravens get a steal here and just do what they always do, which is draft well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I really like that for them um, as well. 15 here, we got the Philadelphia Eagles pick that came from the Miami Dolphins. Um, you know, with the top two corners probably off the board here, um, maybe they can really look for a wide receiver. You know, just looking through prospects here, wide receiver still available. There's still maybe a linebacker prospect or two that's available, a defensive line prospect, who knows. I've seen some recent people try to connect Jordan Davis to the Eagles, which is – 
not really all that smart in my opinion, but um, maybe with this pick, I think the Eagles can maybe go for a wide receiver here. Um, they have, well, I don't think Garrett Wilson is still on the board here. Is he, or is he, I don't think we picked Garrett Wilson just yet. Um, but you know, I'm sure we haven't, but Garrett Wilson still on the board. They can add Garrett Wilson here. I, I don't, I think we did add Garrett Wilson actually. Did we? Yes. I believe you took him for the giants. Did we now? I, yeah, sorry. This is a little bit of a disadvantage for Trey. Let me just tell you the top three wide receivers left. Drake London, Chris Olave, Traylon Burks. Okay. Um, I could see Chris Olave going up a little bit high, especially after Damn. the morning time that he had. So I wanted that man. I wanted that man to fall to the Chargers because I would have taken him for the uh, Chargers. Yeah, I could see Chris Olave going up there since the Eagles are really All right, Chris Olave dead set on adding speed. So I could see Chris Olave there with the Eagles. Chris Olave, it is. All right, here, this one's a bias pick, and I won't let you take me out, talk me out of it. They need a linebacker. You know where I'm going. Devin Lloyd, baby, Utah pride. Devin Lloyd at 16. Oh, brother. All right. It's not too bad. No, no, brother. Like He's awesome, bro. Come well, on. I like, I like Devin Lloyd. I like Devin Lloyd. He's a rangy linebacker, and I can really make some plays. So I like Devin Lloyd. Um. We're going here at 17 as well, right? Yeah, Chargers. Uh, 17, the Chargers filled their corner need and probably the top corner prospects are off the board. They'll so filled their D-line need too. Defense, they really went after defense and free agents. Yeah, they did, and they did a pretty good job of doing so. So uh, I think there's some wide receiver prospects still left on the board. Um, they re-signed Mike Williams. They still have uh, Keenan Allen. Uh, but, you know, they have Josh Palmer as well, so maybe not by receiver for them. Um, hmm. This is an interesting pick because I don't know. No wide receiver. I, I'm just – I, I want to surround Justin Je- Justin Herbert with weapons. Go wide geez, receiver. You know, maybe I might. Who knows? But I, have I like say. offense, bro. You know this. Come on now. Yeah, give him, I know. Uh, give him a wide receiver. You're going to let me make my pick, buddy. You got to let me make my pick here. Damn. Uh, okay, fine. You did my you did my boy Justin dirty. I won't uh, forget that. And I'm not sure if this is a pick that Chargers would need at this point. Uh I don't know. Maybe N'Kobe Dean. I don't okay. know. Maybe. Yeah, they definitely and, and still need a linebacker. That and that's and that's an iffy pick still. Okay. Uh, N'Kobe Dean, it is. Maybe. That's an iffy pick. I don't know. All right, uh, the Saints, I'm just going to be competent as a GM. I don't think they'll do this, but I'm taking Traylon Burks. Uh, it's not bad. I mean, it's probably not the, sp- the spot where I – or probably the spot where New Orleans would probably would pick him. Uh, but uh, Traylon Burks at 18 to the Saints, going to an undesirable quarterback situation, so prayers for him there. <laughs> Eagles at 19. Mm, that's an interesting spot. Uh, I I think believe we already gave them a corner here in this draft, didn't we? Uh, no, no corners yet. No corners yet. Uh, it's interesting. Top available corners. Let me read them to you. Uh, Trent McDuffie, Andrew Booth, Kalir, Kyrie Elam. Mm. I'm not. I'm maybe not all the. 
I'm not really all that interested in Andrew Booth. I don't really know that much about Andrew McDuffie. Uh, hmm. That's interesting. That is really interesting. I don't really know where to go here. <laughs> I don't really know where to go here. Okay. Do they need an edge rusher? Yes, it says edge is a uh, – would you just want to make this easy and go George Karloftis? Yeah, I was just about to go George Karloftis here. All right. He, he's sort of the physical sort of – I believe he's like a 4-3 sort of uh, defensive end that really fits, you know, maybe what the Eagles want to do defensively. Uh, maybe, I don't know, since they brought Hassan Reddick, but adding, you know, pass for some talent doesn't hurt, especially with the way Derek Barnett has really panned out for them. So maybe adding George Karloff this year wouldn't be too bad. All right. My last pick, lines of 32. I'm going quarterback, Matt Corral. I think he'll sneak his way into the back half of the first round, and that'll fulfill my prophecy that three quarterbacks go in round one. Yeah, you're just in this mock draft for agendas here, and I don't like it. Uh, um, I guess my last pick is 31, isn't it? No, no, no. Because my my last pick just counted because uh, it the the Lions have that pick. Remember, yeah. we're just drafting for non playoff teams. Yeah, you're not fun at all. Uh, non playoff teams remaining with first round pick. Uh, no, no more. We finished. We're done. Oh yeah. Unless you unless you really want to, I'll tell you who the Bengals picked. Daxton Hill, cornerback, Michigan. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So I will uh no, we're not gonna that will download this image. Yes, we'll put that up when we put out the episode. All right, Trey. Uh content corner. I told you I was gonna make this a set segment. We are gonna do it occasionally. Give me a piece of content to consume this week piece of content for you to consume this week mm. i believe uh, some international friendlies are still going on uh this weekend actually this upcoming weekend well there's the final World four gosh there's the final four man duke north carolina that should Definitely. be the only thing you should be watching this weekend man duke north carolina and kansas villanova that's a real fire real nice final four set uh for the prestigious end of the uh, NCAA tournament. So Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Villanova, that should be the only thing you should be watching this weekend. That sounds about right. Uh, I will go content recommendation. Uh, I really am enjoying this Women's Elite Eight right now. Uh, I watched the end of UConn. NC State, it was an absolutely electric basketball game, back and forth, just awesome. Uh, so I'll say also check out the women's final four, which so far is going to be Stanford, um, Stanford, UConn, UConn South Carolina, South Carolina thus far. And uh, Michigan Louisville's going on right now. Louisville's got a now seven point lead with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter so oh and a steal and a miss and she puts it up again and uh, misses again so uh but women's final four always interesting to watch i i do cover women's basketball for 
my college so i've become quite fond of the sport and i do not watch the tournament before the sweet 16 but because sometimes it gets pretty lopsided but watching from the sweet 16 on for the women's tournament is really the way to go so go check that out that'll be fun as well all right trey thanks man uh we will see you on sunday to talk some corners and whatever transpires for the rest of the week here in the nfl thanks for joining me man no problem all right we will see you all sunday peace out